0: This morning, when you got up, maybe you're in a routine and you found your favorite spot and grabbed your Bible and a cup of coffee and began your quiet time, the question I have is, what did you expect to happen? Or, Or maybe, better yet, as you had breakfast or whatever you do and you, uh, you start to prepare to get ready for church, you picked out your clothes and begin to take a shower and go through your morning routine. As you entered the car or the truck, as you walked out of the house, what, what did you expect to happen today? What are your expectations for this hour? What's your expectations for this Lord's Day? Now, that's not a trick question. Um, I've, I've thought a lot about this, and I think sometimes, even though if I'm going to speak at church or participate, I... I kind of go through the the motions. I've I've set a goal for myself and to, to be consistent in my morning meeting with God. He's the very first person I want to meet each day. But yet I confess to you that that sometimes it's habit. Sometimes I get up just so I can check the box. Now God's a good and gracious God and He's a wonderful father and so He exceeds that. But when I when I get up, I don't know sometimes if I have any expectation. And so one of the things that I that I hate in in being in a meeting or with meeting with a client or a customer in and I I know that's a strong word, but it is one of my pet peeves, is is I can't stand for the gotcha person. I I just can't stand to meet with someone who wants to come, and they they ask you some questions, and they're leading you in a direction, and then, boom, they got you. They're making a point. I got you. You were wrong. That's not my goal here this morning. I'm preaching as much to myself as I am anybody else. And at least for this day in April, I I think I have a, a message to to share with us. And I pray at the end of the message, we will leave encouraged. But as we gather in a basketball court, I I think and I think about all the preparation that would go into a basketball game and all the practices and and as, as Chad read this morning, uh, helping us work through the Scripture, I, I see that as, as preparation, much like a practice is before game time. And so I guess my point, and absolutely none of this is in the message, but at, at my, my point is what I hope to be, and, I, and I'm not so arrogant to think I, I even have the ability to do this, but I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will empower me. I'm hoping to help shepherd us as a family to think about this one verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And I know we've been in chapter 4 for a long time, but I think it's very important because there's so much in chapter 4 for us to gain. We could spend a long time, even 10 times longer than we have, in Ephesians chapter 4 because of its depth and as we've worked through the first three chapters of Ephesians we've seen the great Christological passages that Paul's describing this Christ who we celebrated last Sunday. We came in and we were shouting or at least we attempted to have a little bit more oomph in our worship because he is risen. He's risen indeed and so we rejoiced in that and so today we're back into Ephesians and we're moving back to our more practical uh, part of the Scripture. And and I just want to say all theology is not meant to stay in the mind or in the academic sense. It's all meant to move practically in how we live. It does us no good to have some deep theological insight if we've not applied it to our life. And so Paul comes in Ephesians chapter 4... And as he begins the transition, he says, I'm urging you, therefore, brothers, I'm urging you, I'm imploring you, as a prisoner of Christ, to walk, to live in a manner worthy of the gospel. And man, what lessons God has taught me working through this. And so now we come, and I'm going to try, and so let's, there be a point, keep your Bibles open or keep your phone app up. Although most of us deep spiritual people still bring a Bible to I'm joking. That's only a joke. Don't uh, that's a joke. Laugh. But keep your Bibles open Ephesians 4:30 Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So we're going to meditate on that verse this morning. I have to say that as we transition to chapter 4, we're doing so. And we, we're, we understand this is a message to believers, to those of us who profess Christ, to those of us who have some assurance of our salvation and Jesus Christ, understanding that He's the one that saves us. And let me just give you a, a warning. Nothing I'm saying this morning is about works righteousness. I'm not saying that we're, we need to get better in order for God to love us more. That's impossible. God loves you this morning. Let me give you a takeaway. If, you don't hear, if you're going to check out of my message, let me just get this in before you check out. There's nothing you can do this morning to cause God to love you any more. There's nothing you can do that would cause Him to love any less. For God is love, and God shared His love for us in this. That while we were still yet sinners, he sent his son Jesus Christ to the cross to become our sacrifice. And the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him, whoever would repent from themselves and trust in him, should have eternal life. There's nothing, there's nothing we can do to justify ourselves other than believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a great place for us to say amen. But... It doesn't stop there. We, we're born again and we're babies and we're growing. And so what Paul's doing is the word is sanctifying us. We're, it's, it's the sanctification process. It's the maturing process. It's just like having that little baby come home. We're going to help it grow. And that's what God's going to do. And that's why God's given his word. And so today we're looking and we're meditating on one verse for those people who are growing in their relationship with Christ. And so it's not about how to get saved, it's about how to respond and how to mature. It's, it's kind of like a mom, and this is, again, so far, nothing I've said is in my message. But so it's, Brother Jason, it's like, it's like you telling Austin when he was little, don't chew with your mouth open. We're gonna come to places in the text today where God's saying, if you're maturing in Christ, there's some things you need to do and some things you need not to do, and that's our growth. And so we're going to meditate on this verse, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. First, let's talk about who is the Holy Spirit. Books, volumes, theological absolutely theological volumes have been written on this and there's no way that this guy is ever going to scratch the surface of that. But there's some points I'd like for us to, to, to take away this morning thinking about the Holy Spirit so we understand He's the third person of the Trinity. Now, you're going to ask me, I don't understand the Trinity. Let me just say this. I'm going to tell you, neither do I. But here's what I know the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there is God the Father he's God. The Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the incarnate God. He took on flesh. He's God, the Son. He's God, but he's not the Father. And the Bible also teaches that there's God, the Holy Spirit. God in three persons, but one God. We're monotheistic in our doctrine. We believe in one God, distinct in three persons. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has qualities of a personal being. In other words, The Bible, and I'll probably send this out in an email, the Bible has uh, references to the Holy Spirit having a mind or knowledge. There's references in the Scripture where the Holy Spirit has an emotion. He feels. He also has a will. He plans. If you're noticing, I'm using the same pronoun, he, because this is how the Bible teaches us. He's a personal being. He is not a force. He is not an it. That's disrespectful. He's as much God as God the Father and God the Son, but he's subordinate. Just as Jesus was subordinate to the Father, the Holy Spirit is subordinate to both the Father and the Son. Let me just, again, just for things to think about, You, those of you who have been in the church for some time, you know there's places where the Holy Spirit will talk. He will testify. We can sin against the Holy Spirit. He can be lied to as in Acts. When somebody lied to the Holy Spirit, boom, they dropped dead. That would get church life going. He can be tested or tempted. He can be insulted. He enters a relationship with us. We're going to talk about that. The Holy Spirit, He encourages us. He strengthens us. And the Bible's very clear that the Holy Spirit, He teaches us. He's a personal being. But before we move on, I want to say a few more things before we get into Ephesians 4. This morning, if you have confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you've felt that experience of being born again, of your sins being washed away, of being given a new life in Christ, that had nothing to do with you, but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, let me say Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So when I was in a summer camp in June out in Brown County, the prompting in my heart for me to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior was from the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He will speak, He will declare it to you, the things are to come. He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and therefore I say that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. So this morning, you can praise God the Holy Spirit if you're saved. There's some other things. Romans chapter 8 tells us, that He indwells us at the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead. So get this, Romans 8. And by the way, that's one of those chapters in the Bible you should just, it's, it's a go-to. Romans 8, Romans 6, 7, and 8, has again, has a lot to do with the message. There's nothing to do with this message. Just You should spend a lot of time in Romans 6, 7, and 8. It's, a, it's phenomenal. But in Romans 8, Paul is telling us that if, that don't we know that that the power that raised the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you do you realize that this morning that very one that raised Jesus from the dead resides in every man and woman and child in this room that believes in Jesus Christ let me get a little clearer 1 Corinthians chapter 6 let me read it to you do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own now listen to this you were bought with a price so glorify god in your body one of the greatest theologians that i have known is wilma dillingham Thank God for moms like that. And moms, I just want to encourage you. You need to be the theologians as long as dads, too. But my mom had something to say about this statement. Marilyn, she would say, would you do that if Jesus was here? Well, then she would say, talk about Jesus being inside of me or the Spirit of God inside of me. So in other words, when I go someplace, Chad, am I, am I realizing that I'm walking around as the temple of the Holy Spirit? And boom, all of a sudden that changes. If I'm going to get angry at someone, if I'm going to say something foul, if I'm going to commit an act that's grievous, we're going to, that's what we're talking about, to God, right now, we are gathering as believers, and inside of every believer in this room resides the Holy Spirit. But there's also something else the Bible says that He resides in the church. We're this, He's our lampstand right now, St. Louis Crossing. This, this is, I, I have not yet figured out how to make smoke ribs very well. And I haven't figured out a good way of communicating this very well. But I'm working on both. What we're doing here in this hour, in this physical location, is so different than anything else going on. It's bigger and better than than the Super Bowl. It's greater than the national championships played in the bubble. It's, It's greater than if we had The president visit us. It's greater than any celebration you could have. What we're doing right here and right now is that we are are worshiping in spirit and truth and in our presence is the very spirit of God. It's something that nobody else has unless they're Bible-believing, preaching churches. Something that nobody else offers. He dwells in you. If you've had a bad week, let me again just he intercedes for you. Romans chapter 8 again. I won't read it to you, but it says right now the spirit is interceding with God the Father for you. Do you have you ever ha, have you ever said I just I hurt so bad or the pain is so much or the problem's so big or I'm so depressed or so anxious that I just don't even know how to pray. Let me give you good news. The Holy Spirit inside of you is also, it's, it's, a, it's a thing of faith, don't ask me to explain it, but he's also at the throne room of God and he's, he's saying, this is how I believe it. And, and, and you be a and you search this. I believe he's saying, God the Father, I... Here's Tim, and he's in a bad way, and he, he doesn't know even what to pray, but let me help him. Let me be his advocate before you, and he takes over. Isn't that good news? We don't even got to the message. He grants each believer a, a spiritual gift. We've spent time on that. The Holy Spirit in chapter 1 of the Ephesians has sealed us. It's a mark. You've been marked by the Holy Spirit of God. When God looks at you, I've been reading through Exodus, much like the Passover. The Passover was where the blood of the Lamb was applied. They, that, those households were marked as saved people. When God the Father looks out of the throne of heaven, He looks at you, and if you've accepted Jesus Christ and the blood of the Lamb has covered you, He has marked you with His Holy Spirit, and He looks at you, Jake, and He says, Jake's mine. He's communicating to the forces of evil, the powers, the principalities, powers of the air, that they have no dominion over him. He's sealed. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says the Holy Spirit is the actual seal. And so if God the Holy Spirit is sealing you, nothing's going to be able to break that. Not only is the seal, he's the guarantee of our inheritance. He's the down payment. Again, back in Ephesians chapter 1. When we believe and are sealed with the Holy Spirit... He's the promise that our inheritance is going to take place. So he's he's our earnest, if you will. He's already made the deposit. And if he has saved you, brothers and sisters, let me tell you, Romans 8, nothing can take away the love of God from you. Nothing. Not the worst pain in your life. Nothing. So this is who we're talking about. He's described in Scripture as wind and fire and power and a dove and so many other things. So, here in Ephesians chapter 4, let's go back. Paul says, This Holy Spirit of God, he's already mentioned him several times in the letter. He says, Do not grieve. Do not grieve to cause pain or hurt, to revoke or irritate. Don't do this to the Holy Spirit. I didn't think we could cause God. God's beyond emotions. I thought he's too big. And, and man, this is, this is a, a, a tight theolo- theological rope to walk. And so I pray and you need to pray for me. And if you aren't, it, that's, that's, that's just not sermonic things to say in a, in a sermonic fashion. I'm just saying, please pray. I, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you do that when someone's preaching, whether it's me or David or Jake or anybody else would step up here. There should be a constant prayer in our, when we gather. Lord, continue to help them to preach the gospel, your truth. You can listen and pray, so help me do that. So, grieve. I've thought of several things in my life to share with you about how I've caused somebody to grieve. I'm not going to. That's not the point of the sermon. I've hurt people I have loved deeply. My parents, my wife, my kids. I've grieved them. I might be the only person that has done that in this room. But in case there's someone else that has done that, maybe you can just emotionally relate to what I'm saying. That's what Paul's saying. Don't do that. So how are we going to grieve? I don't understand this. So in order to, to stay on this tightrope theologically, I'm going to try to exposit. I'm going to try to make clear this message From chapter 4 of Ephesians, we're going to stay in the context of Paul's writing. He's writing in the context of a letter to Ephesians. He's writing in the context to the fourth chapter. Now he's talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Say amen. I want to make sure you're awake. Do we need to stand up? Is this boring? If it's boring, pray. Chapter 4, verse 17. Just walk right down through it with me. He begins by saying, don't walk as the Gentiles do. In other words, again, Tim, if you're mine, don't act like the other unbelievers at work. Tim, if you believe me, don't act like the foolish Gentiles, the pagans in the line at Kroger. Tim, if you're following me, you should look differently than just about everybody else you're around. Because if we live like the world, We grieve the Holy Spirit. You were bought with a price. God gave his very best. Let's go on to verse 19. I just want to highlight some words out of verse 19 through 22. The word callous, sensuality, greedy, impurity, deceitful desires. If we're marked, if someone looks at us, and says he's callous, or he's greedy, or he's impure, or he's doing impure things, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Stay in our text, verse 23. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. You are created after the likeness of God and righteousness and holiness, so be renewed. Again, I heard someone say that you've only communicated a message if people can mock you. I pray that you leave here someday and say, all he can talk about is, and then mock me. That's going to be the best compliment you could ever give me. Renewing your minds. That means that God's given us means of grace to the church to renew our minds, let me give them to you. The word of God, prayer, worship. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But if you, if God has written a letter to you specifically, and if men and women have died so you can have it in the English language, and there's probably 20 of them in my, my home, and there's 20 Bibles in my home, and I don't ever pick it up, what does it say? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. If I've written a note to Kim back in my younger days when I was trying to be more romantic, I would write notes to Kim. I'd leave them in the freezer, in the, wherever, just any place I could. That She'd know that I, she would go get it. Austin, that's kind of a neat thing to do if you're in a relationship with somebody. Just leave them a note. But what I, what I, what I would, can I be real honest with you? I, that was good, but I wanted her to get the note and call me. Oh, honey, I found your note. You're so wonderful. Do you think God wants you to read his note? I don't have time. Let me use a theological word, hogwash. If you read a chapter a day, I've I've, I've encouraged my granddaughters to get the app and to listen at it while they're reading it. This morning was four minutes and 48 seconds in the chapter I was in. By the way, the 24 hours that you've been given were given by God. He gave you those 24 hours. They're not yours. Prayer. You have not, the Bible says, because you ask not. You're trying to go through life on your own without his help? Worship. Yep, I'm going to tell you, the 52 most important days of your life in 2021 is to be gathered with the saints Jesus Christ died that we may worship him this is the most important hour of your week no matter what's coming up and if you don't like it here find a bible believing preaching church to go to and make those place that place the 52 most important days of your life if we don't do that we grieve him 1 Peter chapter 1 says, As he who called you is holy, so you be holy. For it is written, be holy as I am holy. So in other words, pursue holiness. Let's stay in the text. Verse 25, put away falsehoods. When we lie, when we misrepresent ourselves, when we boast and exaggerate, guess what we're doing? We're grieving the Holy Spirit. Keep going on. Talking about anger in verse 26. I preached on that. But I just want to say this. I think anger, you all... No, 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 no. I think anger, I think of anger is someone throwing a milk glass across the room or breaking a piece of plaster. If I just said the word grumpy. You know, grumpy people are just really angry people. The perpetual grump is nothing but a bitter, angry person. If you're bitter and angry, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Let's go on and keep going down. This is right before we get to verse 30. Do you ever thought about stealing? Ever think about stealing? Let me tell you what stealing, why people steal. It's because they won't work to get what they need to buy. it. Let me give you another reason. They're lazy. Paul says, don't steal, but work. Let me, let me just say this. God has no... It grieves God when we're lazy. David preached about working as unto the Lord. When you go to work, whenever when you do whatever you're doing, you've been given all that you give so you can work as unto the Lord and so you can glorify Him in your work, so you can bring attention not to yourself but to Christ. But when we don't do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31. He sums it up. He says, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, let that be put away. The malice, let it be put all away with you. Let me give you a couple of other things and then we'll, we'll get close to calling it quits. A couple other ways. These are ways right out of Ephesians chapter 4 that we grieve the Holy Spirit. Let me give you a few others. When we rely on any other thing in our life for power other than the Holy Spirit, we quench Him. Ephesians 1.19, the immeasurable greatness of the power toward those of us who believe. Romans 15.13, that God may fill us with hope and joy and peace, so by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Let me tell you what A.W. Tozer, who died in 1963, said. Church, Listen if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Let me read it to you one more time if you didn't get it. If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we would do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit would have been withdrawn with from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would have stopped. When we come into the life of this church, are we dependent on the Holy Spirit to make this the real deal? Or are we just going to keep going through the formality? Whenever we overlook or deny His ministry in our lives... In our church, in our faith, we quench him. Would you be kind enough to turn to back to Ephesians chapter 3 with me? Verse 14 and following. Jake, what time is it? Oh, boy, I'm, I'm doing good. I'll tell you when I start my message, okay? Because I plan on that about being 30 minutes. So this is just the introduction. Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, whom every family in heaven on earth is named, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant to you to be strengthened. Notice these words, with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, and height, and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses the knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then verse 20, and I quote it a lot, but sometimes out of context, because the Holy Spirit is filling us now to Him, meaning the Holy Spirit of God, to God who's far more abundantly able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think, to according to the power, remember that's a direct reference to the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit at work within us. The Lord desires for us to grow. Paul was praying that for the Ephesians. him brothers and sisters, this is what we must be praying for each other. I know I preached on that in Ephesians 3, and again, I'm not making you you feel bad, but let me try to put it in the context that you live. If if the national championship where Baylor won, if that coach saw those kids and they were struggling, Chad, from the free throw line, that coach would have got them out there and said, we're going to practice on this. In order to win this game, we're going to have to hit our free throws. Now, we all think that's great coaching. But church... If we're going to win the game, we're going to have to pray for one another. I don't know how to say that any nicer. That means that that, that, that Ephesians chapter 3, we're praying, I'm praying that over you. And you've got to be praying it over each other. In other words, we're, we want to know Jesus so much that the only way it's going to happen is if the Holy Spirit Shows us. That's it. As I was preparing for the sermon, there's a pastor by the name of Sam Storms. You can look him up. He quoted Zephaniah. Let me read to you. Zephaniah 3:17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will he will quiet you by his love. Now notice these words: he will exalt. Over you with loud singing. Do you realize? I, ne- I never knew that verse was in the Bible. God sings over you. What's He singing? <clears throat> He's singing about you and about His glory and how you're being sanctified to be the bride of Christ. He sees grace and mercy working in your lives, you being strengthened and growing in Christ. So any time we would be reluctant to pray, any time we're tempted not to pray for our brothers and sisters, we're quenching the Spirit. I had a conversation with someone very close to me this week, and I sensed that they were just struggling to be and do what God wanted them to be and do. Tried my best But what they needed to know in their struggle. They needed to know if they were a child of the king. They needed to know that God loved them no matter what. They needed to understand the riches. That was theirs in Christ Jesus. They needed to understand that when they faced the trials and temptations of life. That this indwelling Holy Spirit would be there for them. And then God sings over them. You ever think about God singing? So when we don't do these things, we... We quench the Holy Spirit, and, and I promise you I'm done. And thank you for being patient. Some implications and application, and then we'll close. Why should we not, why should we worry about grieving the Holy Spirit? First of all, just because of who He is. Just because He's God. He desires our best. Second, a little bit of negative, but the Bible teaches it, so I have to preach it. If we quench the Holy Spirit and stay in a constant state of rebellion, the Bible says that He will withdraw from us. He will take some of that blessing away, some of the manifestations away. He doesn't leave us. You don't lose your salvation. He sealed you. But He's going to allow the things of your life. Let me tell you the worst thing. Please listen to me. The, I've done this. I've, I've, I've I had this. The worst thing that can happen to you is you can be in sin and you can just you can get what you want. It's the worst thing in your life to get what you want without God directing the traffic, right? Amen? But he'll finally bring you around, show you your mistakes, put conviction on your heart, so this has kind of been a negative message maybe to some of you. I hope not. I hope there's been encouragement. But so what now? Let me give you the application. Verse 32, chapter 4. I think it's right here in our text. I think. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We should be known as kind and tender-hearted people who tell the truth, who encourage each other, I have a, I have a, a bad habit. I, I tend to always want to be sarcastic and make negative comments to someone and kind of, I don't know, just make a gig or a jab. Beginning of the year, I still do it, but beginning of the year, the Lord convicted me that that wasn't what I should be doing, especially if I was going to participate in the life of this church. I needed to encourage people hey, I don't need you to tell me I missed it. I know it. What I need you to tell me is I'm rich in Christ. That whatever trial I'm whining about, that God's going to be faithful. Now, please, I'm, I'm all for jokes. I'll be the first one to probably gig somebody on the way out. That's not the point. You understand the point. Let's encourage each other. Let's work to provide for our families. Let's forgive. I, I still wonder if there's people harboring here. I just know about our little family. Things that somebody's done, and you're just, you've got to let that go. You've got to let it go. Give it to the Lord. commit to following Christ by knowing his word and praying, praying for others, praying for the salvation of the people, praying for the preaching of the gospel, praying for the gospel, praying for people to use their gifts, pursuing holiness. So as we wrap up, I want to do something a little different. It's going to be weird. Jake, if you're going to upload this, if there's anybody that speaks, I don't want this on for public consumption. I'm going to do something that's going to be really scary to all of you. And you're going to freak out, and I'm sorry. But I feel led about it. I've prayed about it all morning. I'm going to say this and try to make sure that I don't offend it.